0: Hi everyone, I'm John Offord, I'm a broadcaster based in the UK and welcome to Different Minds, a podcast series that looks at neurodiversity, the different ways our brains can work and interpret information. Today we're going to talk about tangible takeaway tips for your mental health. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Rada, a doctor and media personality and hopeful problem solver. Dr. Rada is the co-host for BBC Radio 1's Life Hacks podcast series. Dr. Rada, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, John, it's so lovely to be here and I'm very impressed that you managed that tongue twister of tangible takeaway tips. <laughs> Super impressive.
0: Thank you so much. So how are you? How has life been for you in 2020?
1: Yeah, so that is a great question. I think we need to keep asking each of us each other that question all the time. So yeah, it's been it's been challenging. It's been really tough. I think just like everyone else, it's been obviously huge, massive changes. Um, Sometimes I think that I sort of have realized and processed what's happened. And then I see, you know, people getting on a train with masks or I see hand sanitizer by a car park machine and I'm like, what's happened here? So I think, you know, it's been it's it's had its um, ups and downs. I think, you know, some of the ups have been very much working around sort of what helps me sort of sort of feel well and feel good. Um but it has been really, really challenging to get used to a whole different way of working and, and not seeing so many people because that's something that I love doing is meeting people and chatting to people.
0: Absolutely. Have you have you learned anything about yourself in particular during lockdown?
1: Yeah, I've really. I mean, I had a I had a good a good idea before about what kind of strategies help me sort of stay mentally sort of well and emotionally well. But I think this year has really helped me clarify those either because i've managed to do them or because i haven't managed to do them (laughs) so which and both are useful because you know often we talk about progress as only being things we manage to actually achieve and strategies we manage to um kind of put into place but actually when we don't manage to as well we then have that experience of of not feeling great so then it reminds us about what we can do so i think for me it's been really clarifying around you know, what things help me, things like you know, exercise, music, getting out, those really small, tiny moment-to-moment choices and the importance of those choices in terms of actually helping us feel better or helping us process our feelings. Because again, sometimes we're told we should take away challenging things but actually sometimes we need to feel those as well so that's what is really driven home for me this year I think
0: yeah I completely relate to that because I've rediscovered this local woodlands near me and, and I've been going on daily walks there during lockdown and it's just been mm. it's been amazing it's just mm. been to my mind and my soul and I've really enjoyed seeing the beauty that's on my my doorstep I think it's such a good thing to do just to get out there and do, and go for a walk
1: Absolutely. And it is those simple things, isn't it? It's nature is so comforting. I think, you know, throughout this whole thing, I think nature for me has been one of the real grounding experiences and when I say nature I don't necessarily mean you have to live near massive open spaces just literally looking at the sky opening a window hearing a bird or you know looking looking and seeing a butterfly or just watching the clouds like these things they sound really simple and I think we're very good at giving that that kind of advice to children but actually I find that the advice we give to children the basis of it we need to take ourselves as adults
0: yeah, absolutely. I wondered if we could just talk about your uh, media career, and I know that. Am I right in thinking you first got into broadcasting when your your sister saw an advert for um, a BBC Three TV program called "Make My Body Younger"?
1: Yes, you're right. Yes, yeah, so that was <laughs> yeah, that was about twelve years ago now. Yeah, so I um I never really um had done anything like that before. I think I'd always liked um sharing information i always like teaching and explaining things to people and then yeah my sister saw an advert for a bbc3 show and she brought it back for me and i was like what's this she's like oh have a go i was like i've never done anything like this before in my life what are you talking about um and she said look if you don't apply i'll be really cross so just just apply and, and i did and i absolutely loved it i loved it because i met loads of new people and um got involved in their in their sort of story of their life and their experience and also um really sort of made some positive changes but in a creative way in a sort of fun engaging way and i I do like things to be fun and um come up with ideas that's why i love that yeah
0: so i wonder if you could just tell us some of the highlights of your career then in broadcasting and some of the, the the people and the stories that you you know you've covered
1: yeah, so I think I m Make My Body Younger was a really um interesting series in and I had to go and live with um young people like in their early twenties and really get involved in their in their life and, and their families and what was happening. So that was a real um uh that was that was kind of my first ever TV stuff. So it was kind of quite a a huge thing to suddenly do is go and live with, with sort of a group of strangers. But it was great and um so I really enjoyed that and then I was very lucky to um, go on to do the sex education show, which was on Channel Four for five series, and I particularly loved that because we went round the UK to schools and we did workshops and assemblies all about puberty, body image, self-esteem, STIs, and um, the children were just amazing. I love working with children and young people because of their energy and they ask such great questions. So that was an amazing series to be part of, um, and also to help kind of promote that idea about healthy body image and really people embracing their bodies, not to be embarrassed about their bodies, I think is really important. Um, And then I was so lucky. I think, you know, this is obviously one of my um, major things, which I'm so grateful for, is that I became part of Radio One, which is just such an amazing platform. I used to listen to the surgery when I was a a student at university. And, um, you know, being involved in that is just like the the biggest thing for me ever. And and they, they are such a great station in terms of promoting mental health for young people, really looking out for young people and is I think one of you know, one of the only only a few places really that really does create a space for young people so that was obviously a massive highlight which I'm still doing and I think the other big thing for me was my CBB series that I did called Feeling Better um, which was uh, 25 episodes of me living in a house with two puppets who were brother and sister and we did an episode about different emotions and we sang about emotions we um, had stories with the puppets and that for me was again a huge huge highlight because that is what i'm all about and i think the earlier we can help children understand emotions and talk about emotions the better so there are a couple couple of my my highlights in there
0: (laughs) wow fantastic i know that you're very passionate about kind of normalizing mental health conversations and tackling stigma and you know uh, giving people the, the the language they need to communicate what they're going through just tell us a bit about how important that is
1: It's the most important thing Um, without us being able to feel comfortable to communicate or tell someone how we're feeling, we can't get the help. We can't get the support and obviously isolation and feeling ashamed is a a massive barrier, but also an additional factor in terms of our mental health getting worse. So it is the most important thing. I think for me connection, people feeling like they can tell someone something is everything. And it's not just, it's not just to go on and get um, necessarily, um, you know, specialized mental health support is actually also just about the, the very therapeutic process of feeling heard and listened to, and feeling like someone cares about you. Because that in itself is a therapy, you know, we all our fundamental thing for all of us as humans is, is that we want to feel loved and valued and listened to, and like someone cares about us. And so I think for me, that being able to speak about that and tell someone and feel that, is one of the most important things that we can receive, but also we can do for others.
0: Absolutely, uh, I know you. You talk about the good work that BBC Radio One does with young people. Some of the media do contribute to the to the mental health stigma that through you know the exaggerated, inaccurate, comical images they use to portray you know a person with a, maybe a psychiatric disorder. How do we tackle that? Yeah,
1: so I think we're getting better at it, but I think it still is, like you say, very much out there. So I think a couple of ways we can do that is by calling it out um by by letting them know that platform know um that it's not okay that actually this is how you report um i know that that my mind uh charity and lots of other charities are doing some great work liaising with media platforms for guidance and and to educate and i think education is also really really important um for those platforms to understand actually what what is wrong with that image or that portrayal and what is the reality and again not not feeding the stereotypes not feeding those sort of stereotypes that actually feed the stigma as well and make people more isolated um and i think i think again the other thing is really really important to balance that is to um you know encourage more platforms encourage all of us to share those real stories those real portrayals those real human experiences of mental health conditions and actually what they are and what they look like. Because again, you know, every single one of us will know someone who has a mental health diagnosis. And even if it's not a diagnosis, we all, you know, at at points in our life have had challenges with our mental health. So I think it's about balancing that with the portrayal of more real stories.
0: So, so I know we're going to talk about tangible takeaway tips. There, I said it again. I've got that. <laughs> <going> One.
1: <laughs> so. Really pushing me a lot there, John.
0: <laughs> so, what what are some more more tips then in terms of looking after your mental health and well being?
1: Yeah. So, I think sometimes we can make health and well being very um, ethereal concepts concepts that are just out there. They don't really mean much. So They're terms that are bandied about, and we're like, okay, I need to look after myself. But what actually does that mean? And I'm really keen on helping people work that out. So. I think I think the power of habits and routine is very important here. So, for example, um, working out what things work for you when you're you know having a bit of a difficult day or a bad day. So, you know, literally writing down a list. What do you notice about yourself? Is it is it exercise? Is it nature? Is it music? Is it journaling or writing? Is it talking to somebody? Um, Is it having space to yourself? Literally trying to understand and tap in if you like to you know our sort of software how do we work you know what works for us and every single person will be different but we very rarely stop and reflect on actually what helps us specifically so really starting to get familiar with those strategies around what helps you and in what mood and when and when to employ those i think two other things for me are sort of self-awareness so starting to really be aware of your thoughts your thought patterns and how you're feeling inside yourself not to judge that and push it away, but just to start noticing. And then then with that noticing and that self-awareness, you can then take those steps towards that strategy, if you like. And the other really important thing, a third thing I think that helps a lot of people, including myself, is to recognize the power of choice and decision-making. So in each of those moments, when you're feeling a certain way or you're feeling a certain emotion, to stop and think, okay, I've noticed this thought or feeling. I now have a choice. What what can I do to help myself feel better? What can I employ? What strategy? And then move on to those strategies. I think those three things in very basic, simple terms, hopefully will help people feel better in their day-to-day lives.
0: Definitely. Is there any truth in that actually being creative is good for your well being?
1: Absolutely. And I think we, you know, there's there's lots of sort of um research that's coming out. I think there's a lot more research on its way, and I think we're all becoming a lot more interested in that and I think that's fantastic because we've forgotten I think all of those um outlets for our our mental health you know sometimes we've become a little bit too segmented in our approach to our well-being so yeah being creative is is fantastic you know it's a chance to express yourself um get your feelings out take your mind away from you know challenging thoughts or feelings um and also just a way to connect with other people you know a way to socialize build your self-esteem and confidence and i think we again have really not focused enough on all of those things like self-esteem trust in ourselves and confidence when we're doing a creative project you know really creativity i think is it's Sometimes people think it's about being an amazing artist. Oh, I can't be creative. But creativity is more than that. It's just about expressing who you are. And that's in lots of different ways.
0: The term social prescribing, does that mean anything to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a concept which is starting to become much more part of um, you know, GP practice and, and health practice in the UK. And I think it's a great move forward in terms of prescribing, like you say, different activities, art, gardening, nature, volunteering for health and well-being. Um, and I think it's I think actually, in my view, I think it's the future of where our sort of health and wellbeing um system is going to. That's not to say we forget the other side of things, obviously, like medication and and all of the things that we are more familiar with. But it's about um, those two things, I think, complementing and helping each other to help people with their mental health and well-being.
0: And what would you say to anyone that's perhaps got a friend that's going through a, a tough time at the minute and they're struggling with their mental health? Often, you know, I find when a friend is struggling, I, I just listen and I don't really need to, you know, offer loads of advice. Can you relate to that?
1: Oh, totally. And I think you, you're a very good friend if you do that, because I think sometimes, you know, we, when people tell us something they're going through, Um, And this comes from a place of care, but we, we want to fix it. We want to rush in and give advice and tell them what to do and, you know, make them better because it's, it's hard for us to tolerate watching someone we care about going through something so difficult. We want to make it better for them. And I, I think it's very important to sit and realize, you know, that, that reaction in ourselves, because then it becomes about you and not about them. So I think you're absolutely right. I think the most important thing is to, is to be still, be calm be quiet, really listen, Um, asking questions I think is very helpful because that helps someone formulate a process or a decision in their mind, a little bit like coaching if you like, rather than telling them what to do you ask them questions so they can formulate their own ideas. Um, But I think the most important message is like you say to tell them that you're there for them and ask them what they need, ask them what they think they need rather than us projecting or assuming what we think they need and sometimes some of the phrases that we might use like oh you know you'll be all right or there's nothing to worry about we mean that well but actually all that does is tell the person okay I'm not being really heard here and they think I'm making a big fuss and therefore they shut down they and then they potentially might stop telling us things in future
0: and and it's it's really nice just to to drop yeah a friend a, a text occasionally and just with something as simple as how are you? I'm I'm thinking about you. I got a, a friend text me that the other day and it was just so nice to, to know that, that that someone was thinking about me.
1: Exactly. And it is very similar with I think that happens a lot with bereavement. I, I know a lot of friends who say to me oh, I don't know what to say to them and I just say well just just send them a message saying you're thinking about them it, you don't have to say anything particularly you just have to I think like going back to what we said earlier I think when people feel cared for it's so, so therapeutic. And that's what we all look for, is just that someone cares about us and we matter to somebody. We talked
0: about COVID-19 and obviously that's an ongoing thing and is going to be here for a long time to come. And, and obviously we're easing lockdown now. We're recording this in August 2020. What do you think the impact is going to be on, on society as a whole in terms of mental health going forward for the rest of this year and next year?
1: Yeah, I think we have to be very, very careful that we are supporting people because I think, you know, at the beginning of this, perhaps some of us thought, or all of us thought, myself included, oh, maybe, you know, this will be a short thing and, you know, we can, um, you know, eliminate the risk totally and we can stay at home and it will, it will be over soon. And then I think very um, quite soon we sort of realised that wasn't the case and it's going to be f- for the long haul. And I think that in itself is difficult to deal with. So I think, you know. We need to be extra, extra um, supportive. We need to be focusing on that as a priority. You know, it's a a perfect storm in terms of, you know, mental health deterioration, uncertainty, you know, people losing their jobs, potentially their homes, um, you know, illness, bereavement, um, you know, change in your lifestyle, extra pressures. I mean, every single area of our lives potentially is affected and different people are affected in different ways, um, some more than others. So, you know, I think it's even more important, particularly I've been thinking coming into the autumn and winter when, you know, the light is going to be going um, quicker in the day. It's going to be darker and colder. This is when we really, really need to put out all the stops in Helping people think, okay, what can I do day to day to help myself feel better? Who can I talk to? Who can I support? What are the things around me, or who can I reach out to, to help me with my mental health? Because, you know, we've just seen it lately, haven't we, with the students and their exam results, A levels and GCSEs? Yeah, it's it's all of this uncertainty all the time makes us very hyper vigilant. We're looking around, what's going to happen next? We need to really employ very basic strategies like breathing, meditation, grounding, exercise to really help us just go from day to day and really keep our feet on the ground I think.
0: Yeah definitely really good advice there thank you. I I wanted to ask you a question about neurodiversity so obviously my podcast series is exactly about that and the different ways that our minds work and essentially Neurodiversity, as you know, is a concept where neurological differences are to be recognised and respected as any other part of the human condition, and that that could be those people that are labelled with dyspraxia or dyslexia or ADHD or you'll know, be on the autistic spectrum or even Tourette syndrome. And, and and what are your thoughts on that term? Because it's a relatively new term, and I feel that it's interesting where that's going in in that we are recognizing as a society that it's okay to be different and, and we're actually celebrating our differences moving forward. Do you, do you find that term neurodiversity helpful?
1: I think it's really helpful because again it helps focus people's minds on the fact that we are all different and you know that sounds again that's a very sort of simple and it sounds like an obvious concept but you know, in society, we do tend to put people into boxes, you know, try to, um, put people into a sort of space where they felt they have to be like everybody else in lots of different areas of our life and particularly you know in how we think and how we behave in in our in our life paths our life's journeys what we should be doing at a certain age and you know what our life should look like and and that is that they are huge constraints and again they they sort of suffocate people's opportunities their potential you know how happy they can feel and how happy they can be Uh, but i think neurodiversity is, is an excellent term because it really helps draw attention to that, and it really, really celebrates. I think, like you said, that we are all different, and we can, we all bring different things to this life and our society, and we need all of those things, and they are all very, very valuable. They're just as valuable, you know, as as everything else that we think we should be doing. So I think it's a a great term, and I, I'm really happy that people are talking about it more. They're more aware of it, and I think again, it's very much a, should be very much a, a celebratory term and a term. I think also to help educate people. I think a lot of a lot of people don't really understand or know, and I think when we can help educate, they then can understand, and then hopefully they can then, you know, their approach and their thinking about that is actually much more open, and they can actually celebrate it too.
0: Absolutely, and and so often in society, you know, especially with people that are on the autistic spectrum, you know, in in the past we would say that that's a condition that needs to be treated, and you know, these are people that need to fit into. a neurotypical world but actually it could that's just you know why 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 is society geared that way that everyone had to fit into a neurotypical view of seeing things and actually it's about everyone working together and understanding people people think and behave differently because their their brains are wired differently but that's okay it's not it doesn't mean that they uh you know need treating or anything it's just that we need to um understand that people communicate differently and and express themselves differently and we should allow we should provide support systems so that we all can work together
1: absolutely the the world would be a very boring place if we were all the same (laughs) you know like like you say it's it's a very strange thing isn't it and I think um, I think you know I, I wonder if it goes back to that concept of sort of you know people wanting to Um, sort of feel like they belong so they make this kind of thing where they say well we should all be like this you know we should be part of the part of the tribe so we don't feel left out but actually when we embrace the whole the whole lovely beautiful uh, spectrum of all of us as human beings then we are a stronger tribe and we are a tribe that has many different skills and many different talents that all complement each other and make all of us I think stronger and I think also this you know this um this year has has brought a lot of those things up hasn't it around society around different um different groups who don't feel heard and don't feel recognized and again it's i think there's an opportunity here to bring us all much more together and really to try and um try and just make our society what it should be which is a kind society connected society and one that values every single individual for who they are and not trying to make them into anything that, that we think they should be. Absolutely. I don't even know where that concept has come from. It's a very odd concept.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about your younger self. Uh, what advice would you give to your younger self if you had the chance?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I would say just just chill out. <laughs> just, just relax a bit more. <laughs> um um, I mean, I, you know, classic thing is say, "Oh, don't worry," but I mean, that's not very helpful advice, is it? As, as we've just said a few a few minutes ago. But I, I would say, you know, try not to try to, to go with the flow a bit more. Um, uh, trust yourself a little bit more that you will be able to cope with different challenges and um, try to let go of that of that need to feel sort of in control and safe about everything because actually, it's a, it's a total illusion anyway that we can control everything focus more on what we can control which is how we're thinking how we're feeling and what we're doing with that because that's in our power and that's a big thing
0: absolutely and again just to summarize what would you say to anyone listening that was struggling and and, and wanted to try and find some support what what would you say to them
1: I would say you're not on your own there are um, millions if not billions of people around the world feeling how you felt or have felt like that at some point so you're not on your own there's nothing to be ashamed of and I would say please let someone who cares about you know how you're feeling because they can help you get the right support and also that you know you can and and will feel better um it's sometimes very difficult to feel like we will feel better when we're going through a very difficult time um but I think it's very important at all times but particularly this year to to hang on to that sense of hope sometimes when I talk about hope, people are like, oh, that's a, hope is a very, you know, it's very unrealistic. I'm like, no, 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 it's not unrealistic. It is very realistic because hope is a thing that it gets you started initiating something like asking for support. It keeps you going when things are tough. And more importantly, it helps find a solution and a way forward. So I think even though this year has been very difficult to try and see the sort of the 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 light at the end of the tunnel you know there will be one and I think it's very important that we try and cultivate hope and things that we are um that 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 can and will be possible in the future in our day-to-day lives as well
0: Thank you so much for speaking to us today it's really what you've had to say is really insightful and helpful and I really like what you said about the power of habits and well-being you know in terms of activities in our daily life and uh, yeah I definitely will be taking away lots of uh, you know useful tips from today's chat but I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh thank you John I've loved it thanks so much.